Welcome to the Parents as Tutors Parent Cafe with your host, Dr. Andrea Thompson. This monthly podcast seeks to provide you, the parent, with the knowledge you need to help your child succeed as Dr. Thompson shares her unique insights and professional experience in the world of homeschooling. You'll learn how to use the Parents as Tutors series of books and workbooks, how to teach children certain concepts, and you'll also hear success stories from other parents who are using these books. Looking for answers specific to your needs? In each episode, Dr. Thompson will answer questions submitted by listeners just like you. So if you're interested in learning more about parents as tutors or how to homeschool and prepare your child for a life of success, we invite you to listen in and join the conversation. Parents, welcome to Parents Cafe. We have with us today Ms. Lois Letchford whose book, her memoir titled Reversed, is one with which many parents can relate. It's a beautiful story of hope. You see, Ms. Letchford is a parent whose son was a struggling reader. Matter of fact, he was dyslexic. And in her journey of trying to help her son, she discovered that she had a similar problem. In her memoir Reversed, She details this journey. It is such a story of hope for parents with dyslexic children. So we knew we needed to have her share her experiences. It is just great that parents can hear directly from another parent. Parents, once you hear Ms. Letchford's story, you will realize that you're not alone. She joins us now to talk about her journey shared in her book, Reversed. Welcome, Ms. Letchford, and thanks for reaching out to Parents as Tutors. I'm delighted to be here, Dr. Thompson, and to share my story with you and with other parents. Okay, so Ms. Letchford, how did you hear about Parents as Tutors? I met you through LinkedIn, and I thought, what an incredible organization, and what, what a role you play in connecting schools and parents. You're a bridge. Thank you. That's what we intend to do. That's really what we intend to do. Parents and schools partner, but we need to build parents' capacity to work with the teachers for academic engagement. So we want to thank you also for um, finding such value in us. So where do you find that connection between what we offer and your experience? I was a parent with no support when my son went to school in 1994. Mm -hmm. And there's where do you turn when they've The school has said, your child isn't learning in school. We don't know what to do. Where do we go from here? Where do you as a parent go? And it's really quite an isolating position to be in. So to have someone like uh, parents as tutors, someone to reach out to to say, this is what's happening. Can you help me? Is to me invaluable. Yes, indeed. That is our goal. That is our goal. So what was your inspiration for writing the book, Reversed? 
My son went to school in Brisbane, Australia in 1994 and he failed. In fact, he sat in the class and learned nothing. At the end of that year, he was tested and the testing showed that he could read 10 words, that he had no strengths and he had a low IQ. And when you start from such a low point, the prognosis is dire. And that's why I really wrote the book, because he went from there to achieve. Wonderful. So what did you do as a parent to help him? Because remember, you had no support. There was no parent as tutors. So what did you do as a parent to help yourself? This is interesting because we ended up in a set of circumstances which allowed me to homeschool him for six months. My husband had work in another country for six months and I took Nicholas out of school and I worked with him one-on-one -on -one at home. And I thought I'd take a series of books to help me called Success for All and they did not help him at all. Oh so then... I'm back in the position of what do I do? Where do I go? And my mother-in-law was with me and she said to me, Lois, make learning fun. And when you've got no other options, I started to think, well, what can Nicholas do? And I knew that he could rhyme words and that he could see patterns. And with those two simple things, I started to write poetry for him. And it's quite a shock that the simple poems I wrote actually transformed his learning because I didn't expect him to read anything and I read everything to him. And that in itself was transformative. Wonderful. It sounded to me as though you took both a top-down approach and a bottom-up approach. Because with rhymings and patterns and sounds, that's all phonics. That's a bottom-up approach. But then you started to write poetry with him, read them with him, and delve into deeper meaning, I suppose, with that comprehension. So the top-down approach is comprehension, and the bottom-up approach is phonics, and it sounded like you used both. So you were doing quite well for someone who did not know what she was doing. But that's a mother's love. So what was the breakthrough for you? You are absolutely right. I was doing both. And that poetry is so powerful. And from those simple poems... I did all the short vowel sounds that I could think of because the poetry was actually written around the sounds, but the comprehension is what drove our instruction. And then eventually you come up with double O sounds. And I wrote a poem with the rhyming words, cook, look, and book. And it was, you know, Captain about Captain Cook. Captain Cook had a notion. There's a gap in the map in the great big ocean. He took a look without the help of any book, hoping to find a quiet little nook. And it was while we're doing that that we also saw maps of the world 
of Captain Cook in 1770 and then a map from 1550. And we looked at this world map and I said to Nicholas, look, there's a gap in the map. There's no Australia. And you're right. This is the comprehension piece. And with that, we started an inquiry project. And Nicholas said to me, who came before Captain Cook? And I said, oh, wow. That's, that was easy. That's Christopher Columbus. And then he said, and who came before Columbus? Mm, frequency. And I hadn't even thought about this. Mm. And what that said to me with his question was that this is a child who thinks. Mm-hmm. And these sort of questions do not, not come from a child who's got a low IQ. Mm-hmm. And it was critical that I saw a child's strengths. And from that point on, I really started to believe this child can do anything. We still had to learn to read effectively, but I could see a strength that I could never see before. So, who diagnosed him as being dyslexic? That would have been the school diagnostician. Mm, Talk to me about that. Well, she was the one that did the testing in the end of his first school year. And she was very interesting because after this incident, I went back to school and and here's me. I'm a mother. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited that my son's asked this phenomenal question. And Mm -hmm. he was excited by learning. And she said, she put her hands on hips and she said, well, He's the worst child I've seen in 20 years of teaching. Oh, man. Oh my. And I, I have a problem. When someone says things like that to me, it's like they hit me on the head with a baseball bat. And oh I was goodness. just shocked. That's and I, Yes. And I walked away. I went away. I drove home. But as... I was driving I started to think about all sorts of things and I actually turned back to school and I went back to that lady and I said to her you can call him whatever you like and you can call him the worst child I've seen in 20 years of teaching but then don't expect him to learn like everyone else and that comment of hers really helped me transform the rest of my teaching he's not going to learn what else do I have to do to teach this child to read ah so actually as the good saying goes when life serves you lemon you make lemonade so I guess as they would say it was on then so this prompted you based on what you have in your book, this prompted you to delve deeper into understanding how he can learn to read, how he learns. That's hopeful for parents with dyslexic children. That is so hopeful for parents. So let me ask you then, so how long did it take for you to get that breakthrough with him? the prior six months had been an incredible change you know that working with the poetry and I was also given another book to 
helped me really focus on teaching decoding explicitly. And the combination of those two really gave him a solid foundation. And then this is the point where something else happened, which was critical in my understanding of how children see language. The reading teacher sent home Nicholas with 10 sight words. That was a big step. But she gave him the same two sentences she gave every other child in the class. And this day, she came, she sent him home with a sentence for saw. And it said, I saw a cat climb up a tree. Mm -hmm. And the second sentence was, I saw a man rob a bank. And my son looked at that sentence and he read, I saw a cat. No. I was a cat. No. And then he no. went back again and said, I add a cat and I assert a cat. And as he was reading this, I'm thinking and listening to him, but it took me a while to work out because there's actually a number of things going on here. Mm-hmm. The first was this boy had just spent six months in another country and he had seen many things, mm-hmm. but he had not seen a cat climb up a tree. Oh my. That's one problem. And the second problem is that when he saw the words, read the word saw, he is taking the concrete meaning. And this is what children who struggle with reading do. Mm-hmm. The concrete meaning is to cut. I cut the cat, he said. No, I did not. And the teacher's sentence has only given him the abstract meaning and she's failed to give a demonstration and show him how written language works. She didn't say to him, Nicholas, this word has got four meanings. Multiple means, meaning words. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we know the literature will tell you that they see the concrete, they don't see the abstract. So if you go to a child and say, you know, this word's got many meanings. I saw a cat. Does it mean to cut the cat in half? No, of course it doesn't. We don't do that. So what are the other meanings it has? The other meaning is the abstract meaning it means to look. The other way of doing it is to take Nicholas and say, what did you see when you were away? What did you look at? And that too, that's how I did it at home. And that would have transformed his learning as well. I'm glad you mentioned that because we are actually coming out with a video teaching parents how to teach their children new words and have them understand words. And one of our books, Understanding Words, talks about this, that once children are introduced to a word and they create sentences, Parents now need to move into explaining that the same word can have multiple meanings. So I want you to look out for that video. Uh, and, and parents who are listening, I want you to watch out for that video that's going to come out soon. Understanding words, because what uh, Ms. Letchford is saying here is that her child came home with one sentence in which the word saw was used. So saw could be a tool that's used to cut. It could also be a word that represents seeing something in past tense. I saw something. So so for you, from what I'm hearing, Ms. Letchford, is that the multiple meaning words was totally missing. And also I'm hearing, too, that 
the cultural appropriateness was missing. You Am are one hundred. You mm -hmm. are one hundred percent right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And as I go and teach many children, all of the children come to me with exactly this same problem. They see the concrete meaning of the word. They fail to see the abstract meaning. So with a word like two, I say to my children, when we talk, it doesn't matter how they're written. But when we write, it matters. Yes. So a word like two, they mm -hmm. see two hands, two eyes, two ears. You can't then go to a sentence, I went I go to school and take that meaning with you. You have to know this second two is going from A to B. Well, I tell you what, I know your book details your journey, but I'm sure your readers have picked up on you saying that you're working with children and teaching children. I'm sure they're curious as to how you move from being a parent helping a child, a dyslexic child, to now being a teacher. Give us a little insight on that part of your journey. When I saw this combination of my child's the worst child I've seen and I saw a cat, I saw how easy it was for teachers and they, they're human beings to say, well, you know, this is why he can't learn. Because of that incident, I went on to change everything to make sure Nicholas comprehended and read and recalled everything. That experience put me in a position of saying, I want to be a reading teacher because it's so easy to blame the child and say, well, they can't. I went back to study and as I was going through the readings to become a reading specialist, I found an academic paper by Professor Brian Camborn and it's the title of the paper was Beyond the Deficit Theory. And he explained exactly what I had lived through. And that is what made me passionate. He said, when children don't learn, the teachers say, well, look at their IQ, look at this, look at that, look at the other. And they blame the child for their lack of success as opposed to saying, what else do I have to do? And it was my saying to me about Nicholas, what else do I have to do that changed his journey is what turned me into a reading specialist. Good for you. Good for you. And without even realizing what you were doing, as I said before, you were using top-down and the bottom-up approach, which is what we do at Parent as Tutors, which I think is what attracted you to Parent as Tutors because we actually come up through the phonics and we come down with the comprehension, trying to show parents how to do both. So I really, really like that. And I like that journey that what you did for your child, you are now doing for other people's children. So you understand the pain of a parent when someone says your child cannot read. It's painful. It really is painful, especially when you do not know what to do. Now, what would you leave with parents before we close? What message would you leave with parents? Believe in your child is the first thing that I would say. 
know that they are capable of doing all sorts of things. That's the first thing. The second is taking a leaf out of my book and saying, let's make learning an enjoyable activity. And one of the things I would do is read poetry to them and recite it with them, particularly poetry from your culture, and then have the child read it and record it on a phone and send it to grandparents, aunts and uncles and friends and ask them to listen so that the child is practicing and enjoying the experience to say it's worthwhile. Those are the two things I would say most of all. And if anything, it's get support. Find support in an organisation like yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be here for parents. In videos, I mean, our resources are phenomenal. Really, they are. And parents talk about them. But now that we're doing the videos, we're actually demonstrating the strategies for parents. So it is my hope that parents out there with dyslexic children will go to parentsastutors.com, parentsastutors.com, click on that tutorial page, watch the videos, get some strategies and use them. We're there for you to build your capacity. And in the same way that Lois Letchford actually found us and is actually saying, my goodness, this is what I needed. I need you to embrace what we're offering to you. But I want you to get this book reversed. When you read it, you're going to understand how Miss Letchford reversed her, her, her child's um, struggles with reading. Look at that journey, wonderful journey. Parents, when you read that book reversed, you will no longer feel alone because if Miss Letchford did it, you can too. So Miss Letchford, I want you to thank you so much for finding parents as students, for reaching out to us, and for sharing your experience with this audience. I'm delighted to be here. And there's one thing we have forgotten. Mm-hmm. And that is where did this young boy who failed first grade end up? Yes, where is he now? After an incredible journey, he completed his PhD Ooh. in applied mathematics from Oxford University. Oh, my goodness. A dyslexic child who a psychologist said was the worst child she had ever encountered in terms of reading ability now has a PhD. That is just wonderful and inspirational. I'm so happy you're sharing this with parents. This is going to give them a lot of hope. So, Ms. Letchford, this is where we say goodbye. And parents, you can reach out to Ms. Letchford, Lois Letchford. She is on LinkedIn, and I'm sure her book has all the information. You'll be able to find her. Is there anywhere specifically that you would like parents to find you? Ms. Letchford? 
I have a website. It's loisletchford.com. I have some of my resources on there because I found teaching to be so much fun and exciting. So mm-hmm. there's poems and some of my fun activities that I use with students, with a whole range of students to encourage you to say, you know, we, your child can and we can learn to read. Thank you. So that is L-O-I-S, Lois Letchford, L-E-T-C-H-F-O-R-D dot com. Parents, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Go on out and get that book reversed. Thank you for listening to the Parents as Tutors Parent Cafe podcast with your host, Dr. Andrea Thompson. Parents as Tutors is a children's literacy program taught by parents who are devoted to giving their children the knowledge they need to succeed. Its mission? To build parents' capacity to partner with schools in increasing student achievement. If you have a question for Dr. Thompson that you would like answered on the show, please write to parentsastutorsllc at gmail.com. For more information on Parents as Tutors and to find out how our schooling can benefit your child, please visit www.parentsastutors.com. We hope you'll join us next time. Take care, everyone.